What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. And this is Nate Drolet. And we are here to talk about... And when, you know what? When I first saw this, uh, because this was your topic, I was like, did he get this backwards? And then I went <laughs> in and looked at it, and I'm like, no, he didn't get it backwards. This is actually an, uh, a really cool idea. And we should also do the opposite of this. So we're going to do both. Um, but today, we're talking about lessons you can take from climbing outside and apply them in the gym. And uh, I know that's going to sound strange for some people because like the gym is training for outside. Um, But there are things we do outside that we don't normally do indoors, Um, partly because we're just not prompted to it's not the like easy solution or not the the best solution in that space necessarily because indoors and outdoors have different constraints that are sort of leading us into specific solutions mm-hmm. and i think some of those constraints that are different outside uh, are things like usually there's fewer people you know maybe if maybe not if you're at drive by Um, or at the Project Wall and Rifle. There might be more people there. Um, But usually there are fewer people outside. Um, You're you're usually spending longer days, but have fewer of those days outside than you do in the gym. And the things out there are not set by a professional setter. Um, So those are kind of the three big constraints I see that are different outside than indoors um, that sort of lead us into these five things we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And I'll add just a few briefly. Um, I love those. I would also add, typically you don't have as many options outside, at least not like in that moment. Like, yes, in all of the outdoors, you have lots of options, but... (laughs) maybe not in that boulder field or that cliff you went to that day. Yep. Um, we also have like a limited time frame in terms of like weather. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot more gam. Not every day is as guaranteed. Yep. Totally. And then the last thing I'll say is, uh, the permanence that comes mm-hmm. along with outdoors. Like mm-hmm. we hope it's permanent. And for the most part, rocks are very permanent. And so that's something like, it's hard to come back to a gym climb year after year board climbs, maybe, but even then like boards get swapped out, new iterations come out. Like, you know, it's, there aren't many boards that are that persistent throughout time. Like eventually they're all going to be replaced. Um, moonboard 2016, maybe the only one at this point (laughs) that people keep, it doesn't matter what new iteration comes out. People are like, Hmm, we're just going to keep going back in time. <laughs> we're just we're just going to stick to this. Thanks, but no thanks. It, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the uh, the downside to doing a great job early on. Like, yeah, totally. Totally. 
We liked your early work, but, uh, you know, it's nice that you're experimenting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I'm not going to say anything about the blue holds. (laughs) No, they look like they could be cool, actually. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I hope they are. And I like, I actually, like, real talk, I have a ton of respect for the fact that they're using a new material that is going to be more long-lasting, that's better for the customer, that's better for the environment. We're not just, like, chucking plastic away like totally all the time i really like honestly i wish they would talk about that more the fact that this is a more resilient plastic that's going to last longer that's Mm -hmm. why they couldn't keep the yellow holds around um i would if i was them i'd be pushing that hard but you know also a a comment i really enjoyed and one of the uh one of their posts someone was like hey man you know henry ford said uh if i had asked people what they wanted they would have said faster horses like, <laughs> yep, absolutely. Yeah, man, man. Like, I get it. I see those blue holds. I'm like, hmm, they look like a big footprint, but realistically, they're probably better for quality control. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of things, and I hope it turns out great. Yeah. I- I'm glad they keep keep doing new things. I think yeah, that's man. important. Like innovation's important. Anyway, back to back to <laughs> our uh we got sidetracked by the moonboard there, as mm-hmm. as I think many climbers do these days. Yeah. Getting sidetracked by the moonboard. Yeah. Um, we're talking about what we can take outdoors, bring indoors. I, I love your, your other constraints for outside. Um, and I think this is interesting simply because we've talked a lot. Lots of people have talked a lot about how to train indoors to go outside. Now we're talking about what can we take from outside to indoors? And I think number one thing here is outside we tend to, be a little more tactical in our approach um, instead yes. of wasting effort and wasting time. And when we go in the gym, uh, we often throw the tactics out the window and just climb on things willy nilly, which can be fun if that's your goal. Like go mm-hmm. in, have fun, oh, play. Fun. <laughs> you can learn lots of things from that, but I think you can also apply those same tactics in the gym and get a lot more out of it, frankly, than you are if you're just going in to climb things. Yes, I completely agree. You know, I think it's something that isn't appreciated enough. This idea of how many great goes do you actually have on a climb, like in the gym? Um, You know, unfortunately, the more advanced you are, the fewer the goes tend to be. Like, yeah. And this runs counter to what a lot of people think, but it's for a few reasons. For one, you're stronger. So you can simply put, you can do more damage to your muscles by being stronger than you can if you're weaker. That's unfortunate. Um, <laughs> the other thing is like, you know how to try harder. Also, you know how to try better. Like yeah. you watch beginners climb, like, I mean, you know, I was a beginner once too, and I did this too, but like they can fall for just the silliest reasons. Like they'll do a cross move and they hit their own hand off a hold. I'm going to pretend like I haven't done that in the last year, Um, (laughs) but they will fall for technical reasons very often when there's not going to be a lot of uh, muscular fatigue where the better you are, you're a little more locked in and more often If you're falling, it's because of muscular failure, maybe some sort of technical failure, but the amount of physical output you have 
For yeah. each go is dramatically higher than for a beginner and or intermediate in or an intermediate climber. And so you're, man, your goes are numbered. Like you yeah. really only have, you know, so many bullets in the chamber for that. Or yeah, <laughs> you only have so many chances to really give a good effort. If you're an advanced climber, man, tactics are so important for this. Like show up so that each one really counts. Yeah. And I'll say for the, you know, for the more beginner intermediate climbers, they're, they're making lots of mistakes that are wearing them down a little bit at a time and then become compounding mistakes. And they don't recognize that they're giving worse efforts Mm -hmm. because their efforts could end at any moment and they don't know how (laughs) or why. Yeah. No, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And some people don't even like don't even try when they get to the hard move. We I've I've been sending you videos. I'm not gonna name the person, but for God's sake, they keep trying boulders that are hard for them. And I use the word trying there, even though that's not the word I mean. Yes. Because they climb up and basically just drop off because they don't think they can do it. And and we see that a lot with beginner climbers, especially. Or they're Absolutely. not falling because they're really giving effort. They're just falling off because they're confused. Yeah. And they'll fall and they'll be like, oh, I don't know what happened. And you can be like, oh, you had both hands and both feet on wrong holds from what you did the last few times. So like, <laughs> really? Are you sure? It's like, yeah, we are all sure. I promise. Yeah. So I think, I mean, for beginners, just the tactics are super important just because you need to learn them. For intermediates, you need to solidify them. You need to burn them into your soul. And for Mm -hmm. advanced climbers, man, you have only so many matches to burn. Every time you go into the gym, make them count. Yep, totally. I agree with that 1,000%. I think it's it's an overlooked thing in the, you know, in the pantheon of like, I'm trying to improve myself as a climber. practicing tactics it just isn't done enough it's it's part of performance for people but it's not part of their gym experience very often totally and it i mean it doesn't have to be that much even just i mean an easy one for the gym oh you want to try a boulder walk like 20 feet back can you see the holds better there walk 20 feet to the right if you're in europe walk five or six meters to the left whatever that conversion rate is (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, yeah, like walk around, actually look into the holds. That's a simple tactic. Make sure you know what you're going for. Um, but it's such an easy, what am I even saying? Look at the holds above hold number three. Like that will be a revelation for a lot of you. I see you like, (laughs) and I think it's also a great place to practice like, the sport climbing tactics that for some reason people are still averse to outside. Like you can learn the power of these tactics by applying them to things in the gym. The, the second go send Mm -hmm. the, you know, people have an aversion to going up the first time on a thing and purposely stopping at the, at every bolt to review what you've just learned or, you know, for some reason, they have to go a muerte the first try every time. Um, and the maybe the most overlooked, underused, 
um, disrespected <laughs> tactic is the low point, which you and I have recently talked about. And if mm. you start practicing that in the gym, you'll you'll see the power of it. Yeah. I mean, that's one of my favorite things, like doing in-person coaching here in Salt Lake. I'll work with people who will be like, uh, you know, like the V7 in the gym is normally like, that's a multi-day project. And I'll pick something out. I'm like, okay, we're going to try and do this in one session. Yeah. And I will essentially just coach them through what are good tactics right now? Like, and sometimes it's just asking like, hey, what is the right decision you should be making right now? Exactly. Yeah. Like, and they're like, well, if I was being responsible here, I would climb those purple jugs and then do the top out. I'm like, let's be responsible. <laughs> and it is amazing to me how often this will happen. And then they send the climb in like, you know, five, six tries. And they're like, that's crazy. This would normally take me three full sessions to do. Yeah. But now it's like, it's like, yeah, that's the power of tactics. Like what normally takes you th a week's worth of climbing, essentially you just did in 25 minutes. Yeah. And we, we apply these things outside because we have limited time out there. We want to make the most of it. We want to send these rock climbs faster so we can do other rock climbs too. And then in the gym, we don't realize if we apply these tactics, we're likely to get better faster, send more things before they get taken down. You know, there's, there's so many benefits to being tactical beyond just you're learning better tactics if you practice them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and if for anyone who's like, oh, my tactics are fine, like I go to the gym to get stronger. You know, I said this earlier, but I'll say it again. It makes every go more potent and it makes it a better stimulus for strength down the road. Like if you can pull on and you're not missing hold, you're not grabbing the wrong part of the hold and falling because you just missed where the, wherever the volume was jipped or, you know, you didn't look at the hold well enough or the footholds well enough and you actually get to give good physical output, that's going to make you stronger. That's going to make you more fit. If that is purely your goal for the gym, it is still worth it to lean into tactics. Absolutely. And our number two is sort of a tactic um, <laughs> that we should all be employing more. We do mm -hmm. it every single time we go outside. Yeah. Like, even if I'm going to the boulders for a couple hours, <laughs> yeah, I take snacks, mm -hmm. food of some sort. Little treat. If I'm going into the gym, I very often don't take a snack in. And then midway through the session, I have to walk back into the house and get some food because I didn't bring it into the gym. And, and when I used to climb in a commercial gym, I was very bad about not bringing snacks. And I'd have to go buy something in the lobby midway through. So bring snacks, bring food. Eating in the middle of a session is a really good idea. I... I don't know if you've seen this in trainer eyes, but there is a snack break uh, yeah, option for exercise. I program it for most of my clients and I'm like, hey, go eat carbs. Like yeah. eat something that, and I'll do it like I'll have them warm up, snack break, or it's like hangs, then snack break. And then they do their projecting or whatever the workout is. But man, it is so important. And it's something that, you know, we'll listen to advice from like strength athletes or like strength coaches who will be like, oh, yeah, if you're lifting like, you know, you don't need to work, a, worry about an intro workout meal or shake or anything like that. 
you know, just make sure you've eaten within the last three hours, have something for afterwards. Generally, you're fine. But there is an there is a massive asterisk around this. And all these strength coaches will tell you, oh, you're working out for longer than 90 minutes. Oh, you're working out. You're you're going over two hours. You're an endurance athlete now. You need to go look at how they fuel because we're not doing that. Like if, cause yeah, a good like lifting session, if you're, you know, let's say you are a basketball player who's going to go lift some weights, you're not going to be in there for two and a half hours. What are you doing? No, like yeah. maybe 90 minutes. And if that's the case, sure. Eat a meal two, three, you know, two hours ahead of time. You're fine. Like eat another meal within an hour and a half after you're done. Sure. Like that's great. But climbing's a skill sport. Skills require a lot of repetition and frankly, a lot of time. And for a lot of us, like a three hour session is not unheard of. Two and a half hour session, totally normal. If you're doing a two and a half hour session and you're not eating something along the way, that last hour, man, you're going to be really underperforming. Yep, for sure. It's funny. I hadn't really thought about this, but when I was like still sport climbing in the gym, um, years ago and we were doing lots of laps and, you know, I was becoming an endurance monster. I was really into power gels at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They're fucking disgusting, (laughs) but I was so into them and we would eat, you know, two or three power gels every single climbing session period 4000 calories but i never used to take real food which yeah. seems absurd and yasmin would always always have a like a tupperware bowl of something you know with her and i was like that's mm-hmm. ridiculous just get a power gel yeah <laughs> but now i'm like wow i i really wish i had like a tupperware bowl of rice and broccoli while I'm in the gym, you know, that yeah. sounds like the perfect fucking thing. And a gummy bear, of course. Of course. Collagen. Or a bag of gummy bears, let's be clear. Yeah, I I think this is com- wildly underrated. Like, having some sort of food with you, it's such an easy win. And it's the kind of thing that, ironically, I found it. I was um actually uh, doing a fat loss cut. This was several years ago. And I like worked with a coach and they were like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, if you're reducing calories, you're absolutely going to want to make sure you're having some sort of food during your workout. I was like, okay, cool. I had better energy for my training on a calorie deficit because I simply was eating during my workouts. And I was like, oh, I've been fucking up for so long. Like, totally. Yeah. And now I do it now. And it's like, oh, this is like, because a part of me was like, oh, well, you know, I turned 30. I can't have sessions longer than 90 minutes anymore. And it's like, oh no, you just, you're literally starving yourself. Like you're working out, you need fuel. Yeah. Do you have favorite gym snacks and are they different than your crag snacks? Um, so actually I've been stealing this. I do. I love this. It is, uh, I have a lemon, lemon, lime, um, protein powder, like a whey protein. And I mix it with lemon lime Gatorade and it tastes Mm. like a lemon meringue pie. (laughs) It's delicious. Like, so if I'm actually climbing outdoors, I'll put in two scoops, like two scoops, protein, three scoops Gatorade. So that comes out to like 75 grams of carbs and 50 grams of protein. 
And I do that for just like, I still bring actual food with me too, but that's like a nice, like just little sipper so that I can like, if I'm projecting, you know, I like brush the hold, take my shoes off. I'm resting. I'll take a little sip, that kind of thing. But I still Mm -hmm. have like sandwich, all that. But when in doubt, um, gummy bears are fantastic, you know, just straight sugar essentially. Um, also unfortunately for me, the, uh, Jim, I climate sells Snickers for 94 cents a piece after tax. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They're throwing those things at me. What am I supposed to do, Chris? Like, so yeah, Snickers like, is the original power bar. I mean, they're fantastic. Why not? Um, yeah. And at that cost, I, you know, I would be silly not to. Um, so yeah, every now and then if I'm like kind of in a bind, let's say it's been a, a few hours since I've eaten, I'll grab a Snickers and I'll kind of like eat half as I'm warming up, go through like my full climbing warm up, do some hangs, eat the other half. And that tends to like ride me out through the workout. I, I love bananas. I don't like taking Ooh. them to the crag as much because they always end up squashed everywhere. <laughs> always. You know? But I do love them in the gym. Mm-hmm. I, I, I used to be a Snickers addict when I was climbing. I, I mean, I, took Snickers all the damn time. Now though, I think I tend more toward like the anything sour gummy bears or uh, any kind of sour patch kid type of thing. For some reason, it just feels like it hypes me up more. (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) Maybe I'm more prone to sugar these days. Um, But the, the sourness of it, I really like while I'm climbing. So those oh. type of gummy things and bananas and apples actually lately have been uh, in the rotation too. So nice. Were you around in Waco this season? I brought an entire like carton of warheads. I don't think so. Oh man. I, so yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was visiting my family in Texas and they're like, Nate, we're going to go to Sam's club. You need anything? And for <laughs> some reason, without thinking, I was like an entire your carton of atomic warheads. And my dad had like never heard of me. He's like, what are they? I was like, they're candy. It's, it's useful. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I took those and I would just like fill my pockets with them. And that was like my equivalent of like smelling ammonia salts or like that power lifters do. I would just like rip open one of the green ones, <laughs> pop it in my mouth, like whole face cramps up. And I'm like, okay, let's go. Like, I'm just imagining you with your like your face buried in the jar, <laughs> sniffing the warheads to get psyched. Pretty much. Yeah. But that <laughs> you talking about gummy bears getting you hyped up. I was like, yeah, that's uh, atomic warheads. That's great. Just like whoo, gets you there. Oh man. I might have to, I <laughs> have to get some of those. And I'm always a fan of bars uh, yeah. of various kinds for whatever reason. I, I tend toward the already packaged bar, just simpler, easier. I don't have tons of time to make things. Um, And my crag snack is pizza. (laughs) It's it's always pizza. I love climbing with you. (laughs) Yeah, I just load vegetables onto a frozen pizza and I take it to the crag with me. And every crag day for the last several years has been pizza. Yeah, it's, I will say this when I was in Font, Every French person, they might do this normally, but I don't know, um, had a baguette with them. Just, mm. yeah, like that was, that was the norm. They would go out and it would just be like sticking out of their, uh, 
out of their crash pad or out of their uh, pack. Funny. I I did fried rice for a while. Mm. I would bring fried rice to the, I'd just make a giant batch of it and I would bring that to the crag. Um, and for some, for some dumb reason, really dumb reason, I never brought utensils because I was always like, oh, I can just get some sticks and eat it like, eat it with chopsticks. Yeah. So I was always eating it with weird floppy sticks that you find around the Red River Gorge. Yeah. Um, Ooh, I'm going to say one snack thing to watch out for people because a lot of people, it takes them a while to realize this is what's happening. But if you really love coffee, which I do, Mm. um, for a lot of people, caffeine makes their hands sweat a lot more. And some people have crazy adverse reactions and it it will actually make their skin like incredibly sensitive and like fall apart. Like I've heard of some horror stories of people who Mm. like were heavy caffeine drink, like coffee drinkers and they just had horrible skin all the time and they didn't realize how much it was tied to caffeine. Mm. Um, but for me, like I love coffee. I can't, I have to take decaf with me if I'm going to go bouldering like, and I want a hot drink with me because if I drink caffeinated, like full strength coffee, my skin will sweat uncontrollably the entire time. Mm, That's interesting. I, I'm a coffee drinker in the mornings, but for some reason I always take tea to the crag when it's a cold day. That's probably a lot better of an idea. I don't know why. That's just the the thing I've done. Um, even though we've gone on a, a total snack <laughs> tangent here, um, number three is don't go on the tangents. Have an actual plan yes. uh, when you arrive at the gym. And we tend to do this outside. We at least if you're doing the right thing, <laughs> you have a plan <laughs> when you go outside. I know some folks who don't and just show up at the crag having no idea what they're going to do that day. Where are we going? But but generally speaking, because of our limited time out there, we plan ahead. And in the gym, yeah. we tend to, I'll just see what, what's going on once I get there. Yes. And I I think there are times of the year where this is fine. If you're like, hey, I'm just going to like, Go in, have a fun time. This is like a downtime for me. That's cool. I think climbing should be fun. Yeah, yeah. And there are absolutely times of the year where that's fantastic. But if you're like, ooh, I'm here to train, and especially for the people who are like, I have my regimented hangboarding and lifting and these things, but then like, you know, the two hours that you're actually climbing on the wall is just based on whatever's been set that week, man, we're dropping the ball. Yeah, absolutely. If the only thing you're planning are the supplemental exercises that aren't happening on the climbing wall, you're you're planning for the wrong sport. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and it's funny, I can always like one of my ways of telling if my training is going well is if I unconsciously find myself like beta miming Throughout the middle of the day, my gym project. Mm. When that happens, I'm like, oh, things are going good. Like I'm like, yeah, I'm locked in. Like it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen often enough, frankly, if I'm being completely transparent. But that's like there is a very strong correlation between when my training's going well and when I'm like, I'll just be making coffee because we're on the topic of coffee. And I'll be like thinking about my gym project or my board project, whatever it is. 
And I'm like thinking about what can I be doing for that? And I'm like, cause I've got my plan. I know what I'm going to tomorrow. I know what I want to try. And like, I'm locked in. That's like, to me, there's some special sauce there. Yeah, totally. I agree with that. I, I love being psyched on a good gym project. Yeah. And, and having that like consume your thoughts when you're away from it. It, it feels just as good as having that same thing for an outdoor project, at least for me. Yeah. Um, and that sort of brings us to our next one. But first, we are going to take a quick break. Sport climbing season is coming fast. Got a nemesis route you need to clip chains on? For over a decade, we've helped climbers prepare for their goals. We've seen patterns emerge, showing what's most effective for each level of climber. Those patterns became our proven plans, a training system that you can follow from complete beginner to 514 and beyond. With workouts geared toward your goals and focused on improving not only strength and power, but tactics and mindset as well, each proven plan comes with a built-in group chat and an option to work directly with one of our coaches. We don't believe in a one-size-fits-all approach to climbing. You shouldn't either. All right, we have returned and our next thing that you can take away from outdoor climbing and translate it into the gym to help you get better faster is going to be setting goals. Have mm -hmm. actual goals in the gym instead of just the, the super broad, I want to get better kind of a goal. And we were just talking about getting excited about gym projects. You know, yeah. those, those things are so exciting for me. I've got one in the gym right now that uses a bunch of Roy Quanstrom's little tiny pinches. Ooh, those are cool. It's so hard and so cool and scary at the top. Like it's got moves that get me, give me anxiety and, and I can't stop thinking about it. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Setting goals in the gym is just as important as setting them outside. Yeah. I mean, you, goals help you figure out where you are now and where are you trying to go? You know, I have, uh, and they don't always have to be, I think people get a little bit sour about this cause they're just like, Oh, well it's gym grades. And like, you know, who cares what grade you climb inside? Well, it's like, hopefully you do. Um, but like, and hopefully you care for your friends, but like, I've got a client who, had like a bunch of stuff going on in the spring, a lot of things got detrained. And we're like, okay, time to get back in shape. What does this look like? And one of his workouts every week is a three strike circuit. So three attempts to do a problem, whether you do it or not, you move on. And we kind of set the parameters of minimum of six problems. Like if he can't make it to six, he's probably picking too hard and maximum of 10. Like if he hits 10 and he's like, I've got all the energy in the world, they're too easy. So we're kind of shooting for that range. And initially it was like, okay, V5, V6. Like that was just, I think it, and it wasn't many V6s initially. I was like, okay, that's where we're at. Let's do it. And over time it was like, okay, like our goal is to up these numbers. How do we make the average higher, but also how do we make the quantity higher? You know, and he just went on a trip to Waco and, just before that, I think he had a day of it's like three V8s and the rest were V7s. And he was, nice. yeah, and we were talking about it. He was like, man, like V6 feels like I get to phone. Like if I add that into the circuit on a day I'm off, 
it still feels like phoning it in now. And that is awesome. And it's because that was a goal of this is what we're shooting for six to 10, like total problems and increasing the difficulty, increasing the quantity over time. Because we had that goal, we can now look back and say, oh, this is where we are now. This is where we were. And that's like been such a source of motivation. I mean, truly like week to week of even being like, ooh, like I got all V6s to like this week. It was only six of them, but hey, that's awesome. To like, yeah. I got 10 V6s. Cool. Is it is it time to add V7s? Let's go. Yeah, totally. We talk a lot about the process and having process goals and you know i think a lot of people get confused about this and they'll say something like well if you know six v6s that's an outcome goal Mm -hmm. like yeah Yeah. all of this is your process of improving these are training goals this is the same as setting a i want to raise my bench press weight to get stronger goal, you know, it's, this is the process. So these, these are important goals along the way. You shouldn't only be setting the goals outside and the, the little sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, not tactical goal, but like, uh, yeah, I guess tactical goal works. You know, shouldn't only be setting tactical goals of like, I want to do my, you know, this link and this link and I want a high point to here and low point from here and then I try red point attempts. There should also be training goals about, you know, to to lead you into whatever these ultimate outcome goals are. Absolutely. I mean, and that I will say that was something I wish I would have done better earlier on in my climbing because I was meticulous with how I approached my outdoor time. Like I was so focused. I knew what I wanted my pyramid to look like. I knew what styles I wanted to approach, man. I was so thoughtful with everything. I went into the gym. I just goofed around. I mean, I tried hard, but it was like, I could have just as easily been like, what do I actually want to do here? Like, what is, what is my purpose? What am I shooting for? Who is the climber? I want to be six months from now. And what are the steps I take to get there? Like, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I got lucky. I happen to be around a lot of good climbers who are very motivated and I showed up and I tried hard and that took me a long way, but man, it would have been a lot better had I actually like been a little more focused and had some more goals. Yeah. And I think, you know, like, like what you said earlier, a lot of people feel like it's just the gym. It doesn't matter. Um, and I'm, I'm sure there are some people out there listening to this saying that right now, like, well, it doesn't matter. It's just the gym. Like all my goals mm. are outside. Um, but the gym is the place where most of us spend the most time yeah. preparing to go outside. So if you're not setting goals there, you're, you're totally missing the boat. Yeah, absolutely. Like how, like, <laughs> it's like if an Olympian was like, oh, I've got goals for how I want to compete in the Olympics, but nothing around all the training. It's like, really, you've got goals for, you know, three days every four years, but nothing in between. Like that seems like a problem. Yeah, totally. And our final one here, uh, one of my favorite blog posts ever on the website was, a 
a bit of a collaboration between the two of us. You you started it and and made it a like um you know the complaints people would make about five star boulders and then yeah. I I turned them all into gym comment cards. Yeah. Um and people love those fucking comment cards and <laughs> but it's because it's true that's why people like it. So our fifth one is you know, stop complaining about the the styles or the setting and and these all these things we whine about in the gym because we wish it was another way. We don't get to make those complaints outside. So why are we making them in the gym? And there are lots of rock climbs outside that objectively would be bad in the gym. You tons of to them. to yeah. all these people complaining but they get five stars outside because they're so unique and interesting. Yes. So embrace that inside because you do outside. Yeah. Man, I, it's so easy indoors to be like, oh, there's not a foot where it's supposed to be, or this holds turned wrong. You, yeah. you, you don't say that outside. Like this, if you this do, move you're, is dumb. Yeah. I hear I mean, that so often. I'll say that outside too, but. <laughs> but then I'm just going to be like, cool, it doesn't I'm matter. I'm going to do it anyway. I need to do yeah. it. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter if you're 80 feet up a sport climb, you can be like, this move's dumb. But then you're like, well, time to get through this dumb move. Like, because yeah. I want to do the sport climb. So you just don't, if you climb outside a lot, you kind of become a little bit blind to how mediocre to bad most rock climbing moves are. Like, they're just generic. At best, some are just strange. And then like you yeah. go inside and wow, it's like people have formed their careers around making art on the wall for you to enjoy. And one foot holds out of place and you're like, oh, this thing's fucked. <laughs> yeah, like, totally. It's yeah. I used to be of the opinion that everything set in the gym should be five stars. Mm-hmm. And now I'm sort of of the opinion that setters should be making more crappy roots and boulders for people indoors to to force them into it so that they don't, you know, like they don't get to complain. Everything's going to feel better. <laughs> if if most of the roots in your gym are one star or two stars, when you do get that five star route, you're going to be really grateful. I love this because this is like the argument that so many route setters make around sandbagging. They're like, oh, well, it's good if we sandbag because that'll prepare people better. It's like, but this is qualitative <laughs> sandbagging. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're going to yeah. be thrilled when you go outside. <laughs> it's not going to be nearly as terrible as it is here. You're going to go climbing on a lot of things outside that are just objectively choss. And you're going to love it. And you're going to love it. Because it's great. Like, yeah. Yes, I think, so I will actually credit this. Uh, I think board climbing can be pretty good about this, especially, you know, for me, like I first climbed on the moon board in 2011. And I remember I had a V5 Ben Moon problem. Never did it. I flashed V10 that year. Never did this V5, <laughs> 12 plus sessions into it. But I never cared because I was like, well, like I somehow... For me, and I've seen this with other people with boards, I took it with the same seriousness that I take outdoor problems. I was like, I, I can't complain. Like, this is just, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know what it is, but about board problems that seem to 
do that to people pretty well. And maybe at certain boards do it more than others. But, you know, I was like, well, this is, this is just the challenge. You know, it was. Yeah. Maybe it's because you've accepted that this is where the holds are. This is how they're set. Like you can't change it. Whereas in the regular gym, like especially back in the day before it was, you know, as corporate as it is now, people would just straight walk out, you know, into the setting closet, get a wrench and turn the hold if they didn't like the way it was set. <laughs> Dude, I don't know if I've, I don't know if I've ever told you about this, but I used to set at a gym that uh, there was a pair of coaches that would do that to us if they didn't <laughs> like the problems or if they felt like it didn't suit Wow. Them, not even just the kids, but them, because they were also climbers. They would literally just go add footholds. They would turn holds all the time. Like, so we would be (sighs) setting all day. I'd come back and they would coach at night. I'd come back the next day. Like my problems, all the holds would be changed in terrible ways, I would say. But, (laughs) but yeah, they would like, if it was a challenge to them, they'd be like, oh, well, I just think V6 should feel different than how this V6 felt. And so everything turned into their style. But yeah, they would go mm-hmm. through and they'd, they would tweak all of our boulders. That's hilarious. Um, we had wonderful working relationships. Maybe that's why you feel that way about boards. Like <laughs> they're set that way and you can't change it, you know? Yeah. Same as outside. That's the way it is. You, you, just yesterday, I was like, man, if this sloper were just slightly at this angle and I could get some compression, this move would be way easier. Mm-hmm. But it's not that way. I can't change it. You know, I just accept it. If I were setting that in the gym, I absolutely would have turned that sloper a little bit to give myself some compression because I want to play to my strengths. Uh, and that's why I'm not going to get better faster, you know, on yeah. my problems in the gym. Yeah. it Man, and that's something that having been a route setter, like it is so easy Like if someone isn't calling you out on it, like you just naturally grab it, like everything you're just like, oh, well, this will be a little nicer if it's just turned a little bit more. And you do that with everything. And it's like, oh, well, this foot would be a little nicer if it was a touch higher. And everything becomes this Goldilocks zone. And I think this can definitely happen. Like setting your own problems to train with can be, I think, such a valuable tool, but you really have to hold yourself accountable to be like, okay, like, like the game I play now, um, in the crab shack in my home board, anytime I'm setting a problem, I will look down at a cluster of footholds and whichever one I'm like, Ooh, gross. That's my foothold. Yeah. Like whichever one seems like it's just out of, it's like, Oh, this is just too high or it's just too low or it's turned just the wrong way. That's my foothold. And I don't get to question it. Yeah, I think that's how you should do it. You should you should set what you're you are willing to complain about, you know? Like that's <laughs> like what's that. going to make you better. And I've talked about this a bunch. I've written about this that when I encounter a move at a gym or outside that I'm like this is just awkward or dumb, I'm like that that's on me. I I need to figure out I need to gain the necessary skills to make this less awkward or less dumb. And there are certainly moves that I've come across over the years that I never found a way to make less awkward or less dumb. But I still think there's probably a way. Mm -hmm. I just didn't 
have the whatever thing was necessary to make that work, I didn't have it because I've come across far more moves that I initially thought that's really dumb. And then I found a cool way to do it. And then I'm like, oh, I really like this move. Somebody take a picture of me doing this yeah. move. <laughs> I was going to say, then you do the classic climber thing of you go from being like, this move's stupid. I hate this. Telling boulder. everybody about it. Exactly. Then you like unlock beta. it. And you're like, yo, 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 come over here. This is great. No, you're <laughs> yep. going to want to climb on this problem. Like, exactly. Like, weren't you just yeah. shit talking this like a week ago? It's like, yeah, but no, it's, it's good now. Yep. And that's like, that is a lot of climbing. Like it, I mean, and this holds a special place in my heart because I love one and two star climbs. Like the idea of looking at climbs objectively from this idea of like, what makes something objectively good? Is it tall enough? Is it high enough quality rock? How's the landing? All these things. It's not how I view climbing. Like for me, it truly is this, what is the subjective experience of movement? And, Mm. you know, I just find that a lot in like one and two star climbs where it's like, Oh, well I had to find this really funny, unique way. And I've not really done this before. And I really enjoy that. Um, but it's hard to do that indoors. It's hard to really embrace this challenge and be like, Hey, this is just something new and unique for me rather than being like, "Mm, next, I'm just going to take a step left and climb on the other, you know, climb right next to it. Yeah, I'm I'm convinced it's because someone made it probably in the last couple of days because we know everyone only tries the new things in gyms. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, this is still fresh. It could still be changed. Let me go find the setter and talk to him. You know, <laughs> maybe we can make this better together. Even worse, like, and I've I've seen this maybe at a time I was guilty of this. But it's like you look at the name tag and you see who said it. And you're like, hmm, Jeremy said it. Next. That, <clears throat> that <Yeah>. checks out. <laughs> like, Yeah. I've seen people like try a problem. Say, well, this is stupid, you know. And this wasn't here two days ago when I was here. So maybe they're just not done with it yet. <laughs> oh. And like go out to the desk. Like, are they done with that problem? Is there is there more they're adding? Because I, I'm pretty sure it's missing a foot. Amazing. I mean, imagine if you did that to a kitchen. You went to a restaurant. They drop your food off. And you're like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, can you take this back to the chef? Ask them, are they done with this? This, this can't be done, right? <laughs> are you sure you're finished? You sure. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Like, to wrap this all up, it's so easy. Like, when we're outside it's so easy to look at as it's just an objective challenge. Like, Oh, this is something I need to overcome. And I think you're right. I think indoors, the fact that we can attach it to someone, we can place blame other than on God. Like, you know, is transmutable the right word here. (laughs) Is that what it, I don't know what transmutable means, but it seems like it's the right word. It feels right. It's transmutable. I don't think that's right, but it (laughs) seems like someone will let us know message us yeah yeah Um, yeah, like but there is so much value in taking things more seriously because otherwise we fall into this trap of being like oh the the goldilocks zone like well yeah this is like a little too reachy well this is too bunchy i don't really like those holds like all these things and it's so easy to become picky and find these things that where you're like oh no this is challenging 
but it's all challenging in a very comfortable way. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you know, one of my favorite excuses that I'll hear people throw out and that I challenge my clients on is they'll they'll say, well, I wouldn't do this outdoors. And my response is, if this was outdoors, you would do it today. Like, you wouldn't even question it. You would not be balking. And so I think there's a lot of value in that of just saying, hey, like, this is what it is. Like, you know, there isn't bad route setting. There's only bad climbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as route exactly. setters love to say. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that I'm one, not. But. I'm not necessarily in disagreement <laughs> with that. Yeah. Uh, but I did just look up transmutable. And <laughs> it is capable of being changed in substance as if by alchemy. So, yes. Hmm. I think that's appropriate. Nice work. <laughs> All right. You guys know where to find us, powercompanyclimbing.com, where there are training plans, tons and tons of blogs with great advice, courses, products, all sorts of things to help you learn, grow, and excel. This time, 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 this